0: Hello, and welcome back to From My Mom's Basement, the podcast recorded directly from my mom's basement. I'm your host, David Chamberlain, and this is episode 21 of the podcast, entitled The Great Sea God, written by myself. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy. Coming down from the canyon, you can catch a glimpse of the Pacific, a thin ribbon of blue on the horizon. When the Spaniards first settled here, they encountered natives who worshipped the Pacific Ocean. They performed rituals on the beach, singing and dancing and paying homage to the great sea god. The Spaniards, of course, punished the natives for these pagan ceremonies and coerced them into their own religion, into worshipping the god of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But there is something to be said for those natives who worship the ocean. Looking out into the Pacific, you can see the end of eternity. It is so large and powerful that naming it God seems to be an accurate assessment. It is the largest body of water in the world, the largest body of anything on earth. It is the largest body. There is a measure of divinity there. Most people who come crowding along the beach now are no longer there for pagan worship. There are the tourists in their ensembles of loose and flowery clothing, and there are the sunbathers, brown and oily, and then there are the real citizens of the city, skirting along the edges of the beach trying to get from point A to point B. The ocean doesn't figure into the daily equations of most modern beachgoers. They are there for the sand and the sun and possibly the prospect of attracting a partner. They sit in the sand or lay in the sand or meander around where the sand meets the frothy sea. To these beach dwellers, the ocean is a more or less flat patch of cold undulating blue that meets the sky somewhere off in the far distance. It is cold and salty water, an inconvenience. When you are half-naked and already chilled by the breeze that comes pulsing off the sea, the ocean water is nothing but uncomfortable, the enemy to our modern pagan god, comfortability. Children, not yet indoctrinated in this theology of comfort, are the only ones who brave the lapping surf without fear of the cold or an uneven suntan. They undress themselves in a clumsy frenzy, like drunk lovers nervous with anticipation, and stumble towards the place where the water rolls up onto the land. As they near the ocean, their unsure feet disappear into the dark sea-saturated sand, and they stop on the edge of the world, staring off into the immense bosom of the great sea god. And then they take the plunge. Their little glistening faces pop out of the water a moment later, giggling, or else agape in frigid surprise. They do not fear the sea. Sometimes their parents chide them for their brashness, sometimes their parents laugh, and sometimes their parents don't seem to notice their child's behavior whatsoever. This latter kind of parent is the dangerous kind. It is the kind of parent that I saw let their child get swallowed by the great sea god. I had packed a lunch and was at the beach with the intention of meeting a girl I was seeing. I had a couple towels laid out all nice on the sand and had stabbed a little umbrella into the beach and it hung some shade over the towels. It was a very pleasant setup. I took off my shirt and sandals and laid down on one of the towels. Pure paradise. The wind was pleasant that day. The wind was pleasant that day. It came off the ocean at infrequent intervals, just often enough to cool an overheating body. I was falling in and out of a light sleep, one of those weird naps where you aren't entirely sure if you slept or not, when I was woken by the girl I was there to meet. She had brought a cooler with her and set it down beside the towels and threw off the skimpy sundress she was wearing to reveal a bright-colored bikini. Is this for me? She asked, pointing to the towel spread out beside me. I rubbed my eyes and nodded and smiled. She sat down on the towel next to mine and cracked open the cooler. Want a sandwich or a drink? She asked. What do you got? I asked. Um, tuna fish or egg salad. And for drinks, I brought some coke and ginger ale and some of those hard seltzers. Um, I'll, I'll take a coke. Wait, Wait! look at that kid out there. Do you see him? Out out over there. I pointed behind her, and she turned her head to follow the direction of my finger. There, out on the water, was a young kid, no more than five or maybe six, getting totally beaten up by the waves. The curling tide would come in and crush him underneath its weight, and the kid would fall over in the water, only barely standing up again before the next wave hit. He seemed to be gasping for air. Do you, do you see him? I asked. That kid out in the water? She asked. Yeah, I see him. Why? Oh, is, is he okay out there? I'm sure he's fine, she said. It, It looks like he's getting tossed around out there, though, I said. She shrugged and put her hand in a flat kind of salute over her eyes and squinted out towards the little boy on the edge of the ocean, on the edge of the world. She shrugged again. I, I really think he's okay, she said. He's just playing. I'm, I'm sure his parents are around. Are you okay? You seem tense. I nodded and rubbed my forehead. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. She pulled a Coke from her cooler and handed it to me. I slid my fingers around the film of moisture condensing on the can and looked off into the ocean. The kid was really taking a beating. It almost sounded like he was making a noise, too. Something not quite like a cry for help, but something close to it. It was like he was maybe whimpering to himself or something, like he was realizing the bad kind of situation he had gotten himself into. I cracked open my coke and took a fizzy sip. The cold bubbles burned the back of my tongue and I coughed and rubbed my mouth and drank a little more. If you think he's fine, Natty, I said, then I'll stop worrying. Please, she said. He's one of a million little boys who play out in these waves like that every day. I nodded and laid back down on my towel and worked my coke can into the sand beside me, letting it stand up by itself. Natty pulled out a thick paperback book and started to read. It was really nice for a time. I remember her hair was slicked back into a finely crafted bun, and she was very serious about reading. Her eyebrows were knitted together, and she was kind of frowning as her eyes ran down each page. She had a wonderful profile, something angular and precise and very tight, like something you'd see in a portrait from antiquity. The warm sun mingled with the ocean breeze and created a kind of perfect temperature that made me feel weightless, like my sensation of climate was completely gone and I was back in the womb, floating around in 98.6 degree fluids. I put my arms behind my head and closed my eyes. I didn't know I had fallen asleep until I woke up. Natty was reading on her stomach now, facing away from me and towards the lapping sea. I sat up slowly and yawned and grabbed Natty by the ankle in an attempt to scare her. She didn't jump or shout or anything. She just lazily turned back at me, her eyebrows raised in a kind of questioning sort of expression. You're awake, huh? she asked. Yeah, I said. How, uh, how long was I out? Oh, probably close to an hour. Really? Yeah, she said, smiling. You were snoring pretty loud, too. I smiled back and grabbed my Coke and felt that it was now warm. The shadow from the umbrella had shifted slightly, and I felt that peculiar sense of dread you feel when waking up from a nap, that feeling that you have missed out on something very important. I raked my toes through the sand and drank some of my warm Coke. Sorry, I said. I didn't realize I was so tired. Don't apologize, she said without turning away from her book. We're here to relax. I looked out into the ocean and noticed that the little boy was no longer fighting against the waves. Did, uh, did his parents come and grab him? I asked. Huh? She asked. What are you talking about? That, that, that little boy that was stuck in the waves, did someone come and grab him, or... She put her book down and looked back at me. I can't say I was really paying attention. I'm, I'm sure he's fine, though. She said that last part with a kind of sarcastic inflection that made me feel sort of stupid for worrying the way that I did. I shrugged and shook my head and told her to forget about it. She swung her leg out and kicked me softly on the thigh, signifying that she was just being playful. Then she smiled and went back to reading her book. I stood up and stretched and walked out from under the shade of the umbrella towards the edge of the ocean, the edge of the world. I'm, uh, I'm just going to walk around, I said to her. Okay, she said. Sounds good. I walked down to where the water slithered the furthest it could on land before being sucked back into the sea. The wet sand was cool on my feet, and the smell of salt almost stung my nose. The white froth moved and surrounded my feet in a symmetrical, robotic kind of way, as if the water was being pushed by some kind of conveyor belt, and then fell away again sucked back into the ocean by the great sea god i took a few steps into the water and looked back at natty she was still on her stomach i looked back to the ocean and watched the point where the waves began to develop and bulge and turn into curling white crests there was something floating around out just beyond the waves it was hard to identify it from so far away a little black speck vibrating and quivering just beyond the surf. I stepped out into the water and broke through the waves to the point where the salty tide slapped my legs just below my knees. The sun glittered off the water and dazzling pieces of light attacked my vision and disguised the little speck beyond the waves. I cupped my hands around my face and pressed forward into the water, slogging through the surf to waist level. I could feel the cold hands of the great sea god holding me fast, eager to pull me deeper into its ancient bosom. The little speck was moving violently now. I could just make out tiny glimpses of fast motion and changes in direction. It was far too erratic to be any kind of boat or jet ski. The speck was bouncing, thrashing, kicking. Even at that distance, with the sun and the surf obstructing my view, I knew what it was. Who? It was. Bending my knees, I pushed off the uneven sand and plunged headfirst into the surf. Waves bore me back immediately, tossing my flimsy body like a rag doll towards the shore. I found my footing again and dove again, this time slicing through the waves. I kicked violently and pulled myself through the foamy surf with a childish front crawl, desperately beating the water beneath me. Salt water burned my eyes and stung the back of my nose. I pulled my head out of the water and coughed and looked out to where the speck had been and saw that there was nothing now but endless blue. I waited there in the waves and wiped my face and heard Natty call out to me. She asked me if I was okay or something, but I didn't have the energy to call back to her. I could hardly breathe. I put my head back in the water and swam out further past the rolling waves to where there was just a subtle ripple in the water, a rumor of waves to come. There, beyond the waves, the beachgoers looked like colorful dots on a sand-colored canvas. From that distance, any shout or scream would be lost in the waves and would roll up onto the beach completely silent, shrouded in water and diluted by the great sea god. That boy could have been screaming for his life, and no one would have known. I kicked around in the flat water beyond the waves and looked for the boy, for that little speck, but in every direction I turned there was nothing but lifeless water all salty and dark and indifferent. My quads and forearms started to burn. I could tell that I was going to start cramping soon. I risked muscle failure and swam further out. I had little control over my body. My arms were flailing as I tried to swim, and my legs were starting to drag behind me like limp, lifeless appendages. I had to turn back. That little speck was gone. As I swung my body around in the direction of the beach, I saw a crowd converging near the edge of the shoreline. From that distance, it looked like a dense collection of smudges were surrounding a single point on the beach, and more smudges were running to join the crowd. Something had happened. I took a deep breath and swam back towards the shoreline. This time the great sea god helped me, ushering me towards the shore with its powerful tides. I came out of the water shivering, my skin textured with goosebumps. The wind whipped up off the sea and stung my back. I stood on the sand and clenched my teeth and folded my arms and caught my breath. Natty was no longer reading under the umbrella. She was among the crowd. I slicked back my wet hair and walked towards the crowd. There were shouts coming from the center of the group, shouts and screams. Hearing the screams, I kind of started to jog towards the crowd and ended up orbiting the group of people, trying to get a good look at what was going on in the center of the press. Someone was definitely crying and other people were shouting. I kept my eye out for Natty but couldn't find her. There was a fat dude in a blue tank top standing on the edge of the crowd. His hands were planted against his hips, and he kept shaking his head in a sad, solemn way. I tapped him on the shoulder. Hey, I said, what's, what's going on? The big guy turned towards me and sighed. Some kid drowned, I think. What? I asked. Yeah, he said. His body just washed up on the beach, I guess, and EMT's trying to resuscitate him or whatever. Suddenly there were more shouts and screams, and the crowd broke open, and a pair of men in blue t-shirts and cargo pants came trudging out of the crowd, a young boy strapped to a board between them. It was the boy I had seen earlier. It was the boy I had seen battling the waves. His eyes were closed, and his face was still. His mother, or who I assumed was his mother, came running out of the crowd after the EMTs her feet kicking up high rainbows of sand behind her. She was the one doing all the screaming and shouting. As the boy was taken away, the crowd dispersed, and I was able to find Natty. She was very upset. Her eyes were red and her cheeks were swollen. She had been there when the little boy first washed up on shore. She was wandering the beach when the great sea god had ejected his little body up onto the sand in front of her. I shouted for you to come back, she said. I yelled out to you while you were in the water. I'm sorry, I, I thought he was still in the water. I, I was looking for him. Is, is he going to be okay? Did, did they resuscitate him? No, she said. I felt this news heavy in my stomach. My arms and legs went weak and I stopped walking and watched as the little boy's mother tried to climb on top of her son. The EMTs strained to keep the braceboard level as the mother tried to straddle her little boy, all the while she was crying and screaming incoherently. I collapsed into the sand and looked away from the mother and her dead son and the stern EMTs and stared off into the great sheet of wavy blue, into the ocean. Lights from the ambulance, strobing red and blinding white, flickered off the edge of the water and then slowly moved off driving away from the scene. There were no sirens. The members of the crowd of onlookers parted and scattered back along the beach. They were all defeated, moving slowly with their heads hung low. Most of them collected their things and left the beach immediately. Any time they ever returned to this place or any place like it, they'd be reminded of what they had seen. "'reminded of the boy who had been swallowed up by the great sea god "'and then spat back out, lifeless and cold. "'Natty fell into the sand beside me "'and leaned up against my wet shoulder. "'We were silent for a very long time, "'but the ocean was not. "'It continued on unaffected, "'rolling up against the shore again and again, "'slapping its heavy wetness against the sand.' its habitual motion as constant and inexorable as the sun moving across the sky. I learned the true meaning of indifference then. The world didn't stop spinning, the wind didn't stop blowing, and the tide didn't stop rolling in. More beachgoers would arrive the following day and run down the same length of beach the dead boy had, and they would chuckle next to the footprints of a ghost. I'm sorry, Natty whispered to me. I shook my head. What are you sorry for? For not taking you seriously about about the boy. No, I said. Don't even start down that road. You, You couldn't have known. We were silent again for a while. The sun dangled just above the sea, and the sky turned the colors of fire and blood. Well, I said, we'd uh, we'd better get going. I stood and offered Natty some help up. She took my hand and pulled herself off the sand and swiped some grains of sand off her naked thighs. As we walked back to collect our things, I looked off into the ocean and watched and listened, and just for a moment, I thought I saw the ocean smile. You were listening to The Great Sea God. This episode was written, edited, produced, and narrated by myself, with the music being by Kevin McLeod. Thank you all again for listening.